Welcome to Business Done Differently, the podcast about challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game in business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. Welcome back to another solo session of Business Done Differently. Today, it's the final episode of season four, and I am fired up to share one of the best lessons that I've learned, not only from the guest this season, but over the last 15 years in the sports industry, the lesson that has really made such a huge impact on me has been the power of plussing. And I've learned this from one of my biggest mentors, Walt Disney. And as we know, this past season, I've focused a lot on innovation with some of the greatest innovators in sports and business, and then a few episodes on some experts sharing the wisdom behind Walt Disney and how he creates magical experiences. And I believe that plussing and plussing the experience has been the key to our innovation and our fan experience here with the Savannah Bananas. And it has become a term that is used daily here. And as many of the people that work directly with me in the entertainment and marketing I am constantly talking about plussing, and that is the impact and the legacy of Walt Disney. But I think any great company that is trying to do things dramatically different and disrupt their industry has to be plussing at a faster degree than everyone else. And so today, I'm going to share the power of plussing. I'm going to share how Walt Disney shared this idea and this mindset and the lessons behind Disney and his plussing, and then I'm going to share how we learn to plus with the bananas, with every aspect of our experience and how we struggled at first and where our experience was to where it was now by the simple act of plussing. And then finally, I'm going to share how you can do it with your business. I believe that if you are always plussing your experience, you will always stay relevant. And most importantly, you'll keep making a difference in creating fans. I believe you cannot create new fans if you are not plussing your experience. If someone sees something and it's the same as it always been, I think people are going to look for something new. I think we crave new experiences. We crave new memories. We crave new moments that we can share with others. And the only way you can achieve those if if you are a business that's constantly innovating, reinventing, and plussing the experience. So today I want to go back and start with Walt Disney and start with where this idea came from because no one ever talked about the simple term of plussing until Walt Disney came around and started putting into his everyday verbiage and what he shared with his cast members and shared with what his Imagineers. So a great quote from Walt, we have to keep plussing our show. If we ever lose our guests, it will take us 10 years to get them back. And I think that was a optimistic way of Walt looking because if you lose your guests, there's chances you may never give them back. And that's why you have to constantly be plussing. But here's a little background, some of the research, some of the books that I've read on Walt Disney and plussing that I want to give the premise to where this came from. And so basically sometime during the 1940s, Walt Disney coined this term plussing. He used the word as a verb, an action word. To plus something is simply to improve it. Plussing means giving your customers more than what they paid for, more than they expect, and then more than you have to give them. Pretty easy to understand, but the magic comes in how you do it. And Walt was interviewed by a journalist, Pete Martin, in 1956. And when he was discussing Disneyland, he said, The park means a lot to me and that it's something that will never be finished, something that I can keep developing, keep plussing, and adding to. It's alive. It will be a living, breathing thing that will need changes. 
And he described this as Disneyland is always a living and breathing thing. And the big difference was this is why he became so passionate about Disneyland and creating Disney World in his last years alive. He wasn't even focusing on the movie making business or the picture business, as he called it, because what he said, and he said, a picture is a thing that once you wrap it up and turn it over to Technicolor, you're through. Snow White is a dead issue with me. The last picture I just finished, the one I just wrapped up a few weeks ago, it's gone. I can't touch it. There's things in it I don't like. Well, I can't do anything about it. I wanted something alive, something that could grow, something I could keep plussing with ideas, you see. The park is that. Not only can I add things, but even the trees will keep growing. The thing will get more beautiful every year. And as I find what the public likes, and when a picture's finished and I put it out, I find out what they like or they don't like, and I have to apply that to some other thing. I can't change that picture. So that's why I wanted the park. And so that's why he became passionate about it. And that's what I feel I'm so fortunate. I think all businesses are fortunate now is that you can constantly plus, you can constantly evolve, you can constantly change things. And one of my favorite Disney books is Dream It and Do It by Marty Schuyler, who worked directly with Walt Disney for many years. And he was talking about a piece titled Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. He was describing the addition of the great moments with Mr. Lincoln to the opera house when they were building that with Disneyland. And it ended with these words from Walt Disney. The way I see it, Disneyland will never be finished. It's something we can keep developing and adding to. A motion picture is different. Once it's wrapped up and sent out to processing, we're through with it. If there are things that could be improved, we can't do anything about them anymore. I've always wanted to work on something alive, something that keeps growing. We've got that in Disneyland. So you can see in every interview, everywhere, he kept repeating almost frustration with the movie picture business because he couldn't do anything about it. But with Disneyland, the opportunity to plus. And Marty ended up writing after that, I've always thought that those lines truly expressed Walt Disney's vision, his restless spirit of creativity, and his enormous pride in what he and his team had already achieved in Disneyland's first decade. It was also a re-pledging to the public that as Walt told his Disneyland and Imagineering staffs when celebrating those first 10 years, we're just getting started. So don't any of you start resting on your laurels. Love, love, love that. And I think that's something that really focused here is it's so easy to rest on your laurels when you have any success. It's so easy just to say, hey, we're doing a great job. Let's keep doing what we're doing. Well, then that's when you start to lose fans. That's when your business starts to slide, when you start not pushing and plussing and experimenting and testing. And I think the greatest example of this with Wald, it's like, all right, Wald talked about it, but let's give an example. And here's the example. It's 1959. And they did a $6 million expansion of Tomorrowland. That's when they started building everything. I mean, the monorail, if I remember correctly, did they start building Space Mountain? They started building, they put in new rides, new everything. That's when they did the Matterhorn at Disneyland. So they were adding so much, $6 million. Now the park was built for $17 million. So you can see they're putting in more than 33% in one year. So after the $6 million expansion of Tomorrowland, and with attendance was at a record high, Walt wanted to spend another $350,000 on a Christmas parade. And the accountants and his top managers strongly, strongly advised against it. Because they saw it was just for a parade. It wasn't even another ride to generate revenue. They were like, the guests will already be there. No one's expecting it. And Walt rejected all their arguments. And he said, we should do the parade precisely because no one is expecting it. We can't be satisfied even though we'll get the crowds at Christmas time, Walt said. We've always got to give them a little bit more. It'll be worth the investment. If they ever stop coming, 
it'll cost us 10 times that much to get them back. And so that right there was plussing to a T. Crazy to spend that kind of money on just a Christmas parade. And I think about what we do here with the bananas and the idea of spending $3,500 on something is crazy for me, let alone $350,000. But that's how Walt thought about everything. And that's why today you have so many raving fans of Disney because you go and you see new things that you've never seen before. You still have the familiarity as a kid. I remember this a little bit, but wow, it's even better. And I remember when I used to see fireworks as a kid and I was blown away, the fireworks over the castle. But now they have a full picture, like a light show and all the movies like showing on the castle with the fireworks behind it. It's absolutely magical. And that's just a series of pluses. There was no way any of that was done even 10, 20, 30 years ago. But they have kept plussing. And that mindset of Walt has really resonated with everybody, resonated with everyone on their staff. And so that's the power of plussing. And I think if they ever stop coming, it'll cost 10 times that much more to get them back. We've always got to give them a little bit more. That's plussing. And you know, I share that in my book reports on Disney and the two authors I had earlier this season. That was a great point that was made. And I think about that constantly. What are we doing? What are we investing in that people aren't expecting? So that is plussing from the Walt Disney perspective. I know I stayed in that for a little bit, but I think you got to understand the context to why it matters. It's not just, hey, continuous improvement. Let's just do a little better. Um, It's big. And it's one of the reasons why Disney is doing what it's doing 75 years after Walt's death. So now I want to share kind of practical with the bananas and how we do this, because I think given examples, I'm a learner who learns from examples. And I'm going to share a little bit how we started doing this and putting this mindset of plussing. And I think the first step is to pick one part of your business to plus. It's very daunting to say we're going to plus every aspect of our business. And I remember when I first started out in 2008 in Gastonia with the worst team in all college summer baseball with 200 fans coming to the games and $268 in the bank account that first day. I realized that the area of challenge for us was that we were a baseball team, a low-level baseball team, and no one really cared about us. No one wanted to come to the games, and there was no reason for them to come to the games. And so I decided I'd pick one part of the business, and I thought, entertainment. I go, we can't be in the baseball business. We have to be in the entertainment business. And I always challenge business to ask that question. What business are you in? What business are you really in? Or what business should you be in? We shouldn't be in the baseball business. When you're the lowest level of baseball, good luck competing there. But we said, let's compete in the entertainment business. And I chose one area. I was like, one thing can we try to do and plus a little better? And it was the on-field show. I was like, can we put on a better show? And I have to do something that's going to create attention, going to be different, and just test it and try it. And that one area I chose was the player dance. And I said, all right, we're going to try a player dance. And now we've never done it before. And often plussing sometimes starts with doing something you've never done before. And I said, let's just start a player dance. And I said, all right. Let's just do a very simple dance, the jump on it dance. You know, the, it's by Apache. Jump on it, jump on. Very easy dance to learn. And we had a dance instructor come anyways and taught the guys how to do the dance. And they did it. And they did that same dance for probably 15 straight games to start the 2008 season. It wasn't plussed at all, but fans enjoyed it. And it was the first time players were dancing. And then I was like, all right, well, can we do the Cupid Shuffle? That's another line dance that's easy to do. And then they started doing the Cupid Shuffle. And I noticed the fans started re- reacting even more to that. And then the Gangnam Style song came on and they started doing that dance. And we went back and did some old school cha-cha slide. And we started doing it where fans never knew what dance was going to happen. But the reality is it was four pretty basic dances. There was nothing truly special about it, but they were dancing. 
And then when we really plussed is when we brought in our breakdancing coach and we said, can you choreograph a new dance every single night? That's not just a typical line dance. And I watched as first Darius and now Maceo with the bananas started teaching these guys unbelievable hip hop choreography, doing Chris Brown songs, Michael Jackson songs, Bruno Mars, boy band songs, you name it. And even started recently using props, bringing out chairs and doing Britney Spears. And then this last game, they took a risk to plus it and they started out a flash mob and they started dancing in the stands and brought it to the field. And being very open, it didn't work that well because people couldn't see them, but it was a new idea to plus. And when you look at what the player dance was in 2008 with the Grizzlies and even our first year in Savannah where they were doing the same generic line dances to where it is now, it's a plus. And it's a moment where you watch and I'm in the stands, I watch fans. It's now time for the player dance. You watch everyone focuses because they don't know what they're going to do next. And I think that is so key on an experience to create something that fans don't know what to expect. And that sounds crazy, but don't know what to expect in a good way. (laughs) I think people want surprises only when they're good surprises. And that's what we try to create. So first step, try something new and test it. And the second step is to plus add to it just a little bit more, a little bit more each time and push it. And sometimes it won't work. And that means you're pushing it to the right degree. I want to give two more examples here that maybe are more relatable other than a player dance. I know you're like, oh, great. Yeah, we can really do a player dance at our grocery store or at our heating and cooling company or so-and-so. It can't happen. But here are two more examples. The first impressions. This is something that has been dramatically plus since day one. First impressions, the buying a ticket. Again, we had very basic ticket software when we started. We printed our tickets in-house. There was no color. It was just, at first, Gastonia Grizzlies versus so-and-so, and very boring. And when we got to Savannah, we plussed it and did a banana-shaped ticket. But the first shipment of tickets, the bananas came in. They were like two inches tall. They were the smallest tickets I've ever received. We didn't chuck that one off that well, but they were banana-shaped tickets. That was a big plus. We thought, could that be different? Big, I use that jokingly. They were very tiny, but it was a new plus for us. And then the next year, we said, could we do scratch and sniff banana tickets? And our team actually got scratch and sniff that smelled like banana tickets. And we started plussing kind of that first impression of the ticket that you get. And now being open, we need another big plus. We went to digital tickets, which they aren't as sexy and not as attractive. And I want the digital ticket experience to be plus. So that's an opportunity for us. But our first impression, we said, all right, what's the ticket? And go even before that, the first impression of when you buy a ticket. And when you bought a ticket from the bananas at first, you bought the ticket and you did get a generic payment confirmation. That was it. That was the process. Now, as you buy a ticket, and I've shared numerous times, you get a video sent to you. And we've done different variations of video of us celebrating, us having dances, us running to get your tickets ready. And they're all, each year, it's a different one that we create for you. And then we send a playlist of music for you to listen to on your way to the game. And that was never happened. And that was a new plus. And then we add the parking penguins out in front. And now we added Freezy Pops for them to pass out to fans coming in. And it's all part of the first impression. And I think about, we used to just have the players pass out programs and we had people in banana costumes and they ripped your tickets. And that was an okay first impression, but I knew there could be something more. And so we dramatically improved and plussed how fans see the show to start the game. And we said, the bananas, we wouldn't just open the gates or say welcome and do a countdown. That's what we did for five straight years. Until this year, we thought about what are the unique assets that we have, unique entertainers, unique performers, how do we use those to create something special? And so we came up with the idea of doing a march. 
And we said, could our band play a whole song and march out and have our players, our banana nanas, our mananas, and everyone greet fans before the gates open at 520? And how we got this idea, ironically, was the rope drop ceremony at the Magic Kingdom. And we went to Disney right before COVID hit, our whole staff. We surprised our team with it. And the rope drop ceremony is a special moment. You know, they have the characters out. They make it into a big celebration. Well, we said we should do the same. And so we thought about all our characters and we started testing this. And we tested it in our spring series in Banana Ball and the fans reacted huge. There was just phones up left and right, videotaping, people cheering. And then we did a big Hey Baby dance and opened the gates. And it was good. And it's been good. Till five games ago, our director of entertainment, Zach, says, hey, we need to mic you up. People can't hear you when you do the countdown. So they mic'd me up. We added another plus. Now people can hear me. Then we started adding our players. Now, as soon as the dance finishes, they go and high five every single person in line. Now we're adding next game where they're going to throw banana balls, you know, little uh, balls with our logo on it into the crowd as they make their way out. And all these little pluses. The other day, one of our operations interns said, hey, we just kind of do the countdown. We open up. Shouldn't fans like run through something and, you know, think about high school football running through a banner. And we're like, ooh, that's good. So now we're looking into banners. Can our fans run through a banner? And we said, well, shouldn't we have like streamers pop or something when the countdown finishes? And all these, it's like Disneyland. We believe the Savannah Bananas are a living, breathing thing. And when you start questioning all these opportunities, say, hey, that's a good opening, but how can you plus it? That's when you create an experience that I believe is remarkable that people will never stop talking about. And that's what we're trying to do. Create those moments that people will never forget, those unforgettable moments. So that's an example. Now, I'm staying with this a little bit because I think you can lean in on how we focused on one area and we go deep on it. I just shared the opening of the gates. That's a lot of things happen there. The band plays their music. And then as the, high, the players are high-fiving everyone through the line and they're coming in the stadium, the DJ starts playing music while the band gets set up to get ready to play. It's all this kind of fluid, choreographed entrance. And again, there's a lot of ways that we can improve it, but that's how we do it. We really go deep on one area. Now, I think it's so important to share where we started with this pregame because that's the start of our pregame. And I want to share where it was. I actually pulled up, I got right here, the 2016 script, and I'm looking at it and I'm laughing because it's so different than what it is now. So I'm going to share with you the 2016 opening night pregame script. First game ever here in Banana Land. First game ever the Savannah Bananas because you can see the power of plussing just by the differences in the script on opening night to now five years later where it is today. So the gates would open at 530, same time, just gates open. We'd have pregame announcements from 5.50 to 6.30. We'd mix in some other things. At 6.05, we'd announce the Facebook fan of the night. We'd announce the best-dressed banana. We'd announce the best scene in the house. We had a banana-eating contest, so we did have some kind of entertainment. We'd announce groups in the attendance at 6.30. At 6.38, we'd have a Little League parade from right field. At 6.43, I'd welcome the fans. At 6.45, we'd have a home run hitter, where a little kid would get to hit a home run against the bananas. At 6.48, we'd have our first pitch of the game. At 6.51, we'd announce the visiting lineup. And then at 6.55, we'd announce the bananas lineup. Then we'd have the national anthem and then the first pitch. And that was it. For some pregame, there's a good amount going on there. This is six years later. Five o'clock, bananas DJ begins. 5.25, the bananas march. 5.27, hey baby. 5.29.50, the countdown from 10 for gates open. 5.30, gates open, Jesse. Bananas players, Bananas cast, welcome the fans. 5.30 to 6, the band is playing. At 5.40, fans can go sign the fan wall. 
At 6 o'clock, Shark begins with his opening announcements. At 6 o'clock and 30 seconds, it's the evolution of Grayson, which is our 10-minute tribute to the history of Grayson. 6.11, Shark does his trivia for fans to win prizes. At 6.15, the Mananas do their intro. 6.17, we have the Mananas pump-up. At 6.19, our princess, Potassia, sings through the crowd, Part of Our World, the song by Little Mermaid. At 6.21, Tyler, our host, does his stadium roll call. That goes 10 minutes because we meet Bananas fans from the furthest away, the best-dressed banana fans. We have the largest family, which we feed a garbage can nachos. We find out married couples who's been married the longest. So that roll call is a lot of fun. Then we go down to the field at 6.31. We have the Manana tryout, where we actually pick out a Manana for the night. Then we have the first banana, or instead of the first pitch. Then we do Banana Baby. Then we have our home run hitter at 6.36. 6.38, we describe banana ball. 6.40, we have our player weigh-ins on the field, which is hilarious. Our president does with a Bruce Buffer, you know, let's get ready to rumble. At 6.42, we do our parade through the grandstands with the entire cast throwing beads into the crowd. At 6.48, when that's done, it goes into the Can't Stop the Peeling, which is our cast intro on the field. At 6.52, I say it's time for Banana Ball, my intro. 6.52.30, it's the final count on by the band on the field. 6.53, it's my pump up, where I tell our story, get everyone fired up. At 6.54, the Bananas lineup. 6.57, we have the National Anthem. 6.58 is the Play Ball All-Star. At 6.59, it's Jump Around, where the whole stadium, we get out jumping around. And then at 7 o'clock, the game begins. Whew. All right, that's our intro. And the funny thing is, as I'm reading that, I noticed there were three pluses from last game that we're going to add. We think the first banana is too normal now, where they just throw a banana. So we're going to actually blindfold them and have the fans help them find the banana on the field before they can throw it. So that's just a new plus to make something that we think, hey, we've been doing that for a while, but it's kind of boring. Make it a little bit better. And so that's it. That is the pregame. And so I went through the details because I wanted to share what plussing can do for an experience. I would argue that that might be the most ambitious pregame <laughs> of any baseball team in the country, maybe sports. And I can show you it didn't start like that. It just started from us looking at what are those boring moments, those dead air moments, those moments that we can make a little bit more entertaining that if someone does get here in line, which happens every game at 3.30, 4 o'clock, that once they're in the stadium at 5.30, the show begins for them. They don't wait another hour and a half until our game. They deserve that if they're waiting three hours in line to get into the ballpark. And so that's our obligation to them. They deserve a plus experience. And that's what we're trying to do. So last example I'll give is the last impression. I think this is something that every business can look at is your last impression, whether you're a restaurant, whether you're a retail store, whether you're a company that people just can call or order online. Once they receive your service, their experience, what is your last impression? And we struggled at this. We, I don't think we had even people thanking fans in the first few years in Gastonia. And, you know, I think that's the easiest thing any restaurant in the world can do. Have someone to thank you as you walk out. Like, come on, just thank you. Like a simple thank you will turn someone's experience, you know, to something special. It shows that you care. So anyways, I think we eventually had people thanking, but that was it in Gastonia. And then in Savannah, I think we just had staff thanking our fans as they left. And over the years, we started saying, well, how do we plus this? And then we started adding our characters out at the gate and said, all right, let's just have our characters to, to thank our fans. That's another touch. And then in previous years, we added s'mores and we started serving free s'mores at the gate, which obviously I thought is a lot of fun. It's challenging now with the crowds and the mass exodus, but that was something we plussed. We've done free popsicles. We've had cars be washed while fans were watching the games. We had a mobile car wash come in and wash some cars unexpectedly. And all of those were part of the last impression. And But the biggest addition, again, for us was adding the band 
and adding the players and the whole staff at the end. And I think these players for us are superstars for our fans. And if they can be directly connecting with them after the game, that's special. So we added the players, we added the band, and then we added a DJ and we wanted to offset it, go back and forth. So now we have the band play three openers, then the DJ does Cupid Shuffle where all the players and fans do Cupid Shuffle in the plaza, which is a lot of fun. And then we finish what the players did organically. The band started singing Stand By Me as their last song. And as they started singing it, first happened the last game in Mobile, our premier team playing banana ball. The players and the cast put their arms around each other and started singing Stand By Me. And as that came back to Savannah, all the players joined in, put their arms around each other, and the band joined in with them. And now our fans and our cast. And the night finishes with 100-plus people, arms around each other, singing Stand By Me. And to me, it's one of the most magical experiences that we have. And it sounds so simple. But when you think about what it means, you know, you've got all these people together, different backgrounds, all over the country coming together, different players, different cast members, different musicians, different fans, and we're all in this together. And I think about what we do and why we do it. And it's to bring people together, bring them joy, happiness, and fun, but make them feel like a family, that you can escape and just let loose and have fun and be together. And I think the belonging is so important to what we do. And that's how our night finishes. So simple, so easy, but that's a last impression. And the few people that do stay till that end of that whole set list and are part of it, you see them with their cameras up, you see them smiling that they were just a part of something pretty special. And so with that, as I actually was standing watching the national anthem the other night, I saw the whole team, the band, the banana nanas, the mananas, our whole cast and players were on the line, on the first baseline for the national anthem. And I thought to myself, well, what if they all had their arms around each other? Wouldn't that be a great start and complemented with the finish? We're all in this together to start. We're all in this together to finish. And last game, we talked to the players, we talked to the cast. They all had their arms around each other. And it was such a special moment and such a simple plus. For the 4,000 fans watching, they may say, oh, that's a nice touch. And if they happen to stay at the end and they see it all together, maybe a few will recognize that. But I think it's more just the feeling that we're all in this together. And so I wanted to share those pluses with you because I think that's how we do it. And that's how we look at the experience. And I think if you want to create, again, that unforgettable experience, you have to look at every touch point and see how you can plus it. But it starts with just one. So the question I get always, and I'm always come back to this, is, well, how do you come up with these ideas? Not everyone can see that. And I disagree. I believe everyone is creative. I believe everyone can see that if you open your eyes to it. I think if you open your eyes to thinking about ideas, seeing ideas, thinking about fan experience, thinking about those moments, you will start seeing them. When I sold sponsorship back in the day, we know I don't believe in sponsorship because we have zero sponsorship at our stadium. Everywhere I went, I saw billboards, I heard radio ads, I saw newspaper ads because I was in a lens of looking for sponsorship ideas every single day. I don't notice ads anymore. But I noticed ideas and I noticed performances and I noticed fan experience things because that's what I look for every day. So you have to look for ideas. And the key is idea generation. And so if you want to start plussing, start coming up with ideas on a regular basis. The one thing that we did here that I started testing this year and implementing is I've always had an idea book for five years now and I write down 10 ideas a day. But that's not scalable. (laughs) And that's not how you create a culture of ideas. So As we were auditioning our new director of entertainment, as soon as he arrived here in Savannah, I said, every day, we are going to come up with different ideas, 10 ideas based on a theme. 
and we're going to do it in the morning. First thing, start our idea with the creative juices flowing and I'm going to hold you accountable. You're going to hold me accountable. We're going to build them together. And Zach and I have done this now for, geez, almost two months into the season. Now we do take off game days. So we're doing now just off days, but we come up with a theme. So whether it's like St. Patrick's Day theme ideas, grandma promotion ideas, kids promotion ideas, banana ball attention getting ideas, whatever it is, we have a theme that we go in that morning and we talk about those ideas. So having that idea partner is key. So if you're running an organization and you might be the general manager or the manager and you know you have an assistant or you have someone you work directly with, start doing it with them. Say, all right, let's talk about our first impression. Let's talk about how people pay for our product. Let's talk about our website, ways to make our website more fun. Let's talk about our bathrooms. What could we do with our bathrooms to make them more unique? Pick a theme, whatever it is, and just start coming up with ideas. They won't be good at first. Zach laughed at me this morning because he said, man, this one was hard. We were doing St. Patrick's themed ideas. And he goes, I only got five. And he goes, well, you got all 10. And I go, yeah, but I've been doing it for years. There'll be a year or so when you have an assistant, someone on your team, and you'll be coming up with 10 every day. And they may be coming up with five. It's because he's only been doing it for a month or so. It will be hard at first, but it will be worth it. It'll be worth it for the customers, your fans, your people to give you purpose on creating something that no one ever seen before that will make a bigger impact. So start coming up with ideas daily, pick a theme for it, come up with an idea partner and start going over it. And then really it's looking at the idea for once you do it, evaluate it. So as I just shared you our pregame script, I have notes all over it because every night after every game, Zach and I do laps around the field. We usually do two to three laps and we go over all of our notes. What can we do to plus? And so not everything needs plussing, but we pick out things. How can we plus it? And usually 10 to 15 things we look at making better plussing or adjusting. And so if you start doing something new in your experience, you have to evaluate it. You have to see how how your customers react, see how your fans react, and then say, all right, what are we going to do differently? Our team does pros and grows. And I think that's something that we talk about. What are the pros and the grows of anything that we do? So that's a key. And I know I'm going on a little bit, but I think it's so important. And I'm going to finish this last episode with a lot of content because that's what I'm going to do. The next part of how do you do this is the details. Details, details, details. You've got to look for the details. You know, as I mentioned, even those arms around each other during the national event, that's a little tiny detail, but it matters. You know, I look at Walt Disney. He said, people will visit this attraction again and again. Each time they'll see things they've never noticed before. That was the goal. And I was watching the Imagineering documentary on Disney Plus, which, by the way, is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Six episodes. It's so cool. And how they made the parks. It opens the first episode. You see Walt Disney in full color walking the orange groves and saying this is where he's going to put Disneyland. It's fascinating stuff. But one of the designers said, I don't design anything for the first ride. I design it for the 20th ride. So you start thinking, what is appealing that I want to ride on it 20 times? So he would think about the details. You know, if you've ridden Pirates of the Caribbean, you notice something different almost every time you ride it. I think that's what makes those rides so great is that you can always see something different. So how do you look at those details of your experience? There's a great story when Art Linkletter met Disney for the first time, and it was at a press conference for Fantasia. And Walt was there early before everyone else, and he was rearranging all the chairs. And Art asked, why are you arranging all the chairs? said, well, because I like things just so. He was obsessed with the details. He was obsessed with where every little chair was on how they would see the press conference, how they would see his presentation. It mattered that much. And so that was key. That was key for Disney. The details, the details, the details. And I believe uh, another lesson from 
Disney is Everything Speaks. This is from Dennis Snow, a past guest on the podcast, I think season three. He said, Everything Speaks. And that's why we have yellow bases. <laughs> you know, that took three years. We always had white bases. Why would we have white bases? We need yellow bases. That's why we have yellow bats. That's why we're looking into custom yellow baseballs. That's why we want to build a yellow brick road around our entire stadium where people can walk and experience the bananas. That's why the details matter. We had a food and beverage operation consultant come in earlier this season and he went to Emily. He didn't tell me. He said, the dress matters for everyone. Jesse in his yellow tuxedo has ink stains on his yellow tuxedo. It's true. I've worn these tuxedos for a long time and they have some ink stains. He goes, you know, that's not the look. And he was spot on. So I found a way to get another yellow tuxedo that wasn't falling apart. And I put it on the last game because the details matter. So I think that is really important in plussing. Everything speaks. If you want to plus, you got to look at the littlest details. They all matter. Here's another little lesson here too. And I know I'm kind of going on here, but be embarrassed. And I think about this. If you aren't embarrassed with your first product or your first experience, you waited too long. As I was looking at that script from 2016, I was embarrassed. I go, people must have been so bored just sitting there listening to boring announcements and music waiting for the game. I was embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by our videos. You know, you think about some of the videos we did our first few years. They were not that good. And that means that we are constantly plussing and starting and getting better. You don't know anything until you do something. You really don't learn until you start putting it out. And I was very embarrassed by most of the things we did the first year, if you look back on them now. And I think that means that you've created a culture of plussing. You know, when I look back to day one of the bananas, not only was the show a lot more more boring, but the way we did concessions was a disaster. And I've shared that, you know, we couldn't serve food. We had to cook so much food so earlier. It wasn't as fresh as we'd like it. People would wait for food and be sitting there for two or three hours. It was not the way to serve. But then consultant came and helped us and to put drinks first. And so people could put a drink in their hand and wouldn't take like four or five burgers. So we'd be out of food quicker. Stanchion set up and flow. I mean, we looked at everything. And I think that's the area I've always focused on the show and the entertainment. But because we've built that culture of plusing the show, we've looked at every aspect of our business. And the merchandise store and the way we've done merchandise, you know, everything was shipped out of a regular USPS package. Now it's all yellow custom boxes, yellow delivered fresh stamps, yellowed toilet paper, a custom letter and free koozie, free decal. That didn't happen the first year. That happened third year, fourth year. And we keep trying to improve it. And even in our merch store, Jared was sharing me. I spoke with our president. I said, Jared, tell me more instances of plusing. He goes, well, think about the merch store. He goes, we always had a store with a counter and two registers because that's the way it always was. That's the way it had to be. If you think about any type of store, you always have a counter and you have registers. We never thought differently. But then we went to Paducah Bank. We were giving a keynote there in a workshop and they eliminated that belly up counter system so they could have more interaction and connection with more people. And they wanted no barriers. This was a bank doing it. We said, well, why don't we eliminate it? So we got rid of it. And now we have so much more interaction and so much better experience for our customers. And it results in much better business. We do a lot more sales because of it. And it was because we looked at that and out front, we added a farmer's market feel for like selling more banana store. We added lighting. And the reality is the customer's expectations are increasing every single day. And if they see your product one day and they see the same thing the next day, it's a lesser experience. And so you have to look at those, that plusing. And Jared, our president, as I talked to him, he goes, most teams, they see opening day as the finish line. You know, they get to opening day, everything's ready. And now we just cruise through the season. 
Nothing has a finish line. Nothing is done. How can it be better? How can it be plussed? I believe next game will always be the best experience that we've ever put on. Tomorrow night will be the best experience. And I'm not saying last night was the worst experience, but it better be better the next night. And that's how you plus, and that's how you improve. And so I want to finish here with some ideas on how you can teach this, build this into your culture, and how we're learning how to do it. Because if you want to really be create a business that's different, that's innovative, that creates fans every day, plusing is the key. But you got to create a culture to do it. So how do you do it? Number one, you get in the fans' shoes, your customers' shoes. I've talked about this at length on previous podcasts. The reason we do undercover fan every single night is because we want to park with the fans. We want to walk in with the fans. We want to sit with the fans. We want to eat with the fans. We want to feel all the frustrations and potential friction points. We want to know what it's like to be a fan. If you want to plus the experience, you have to put yourself in your fan shoes. Walt Disney said before he died, whenever I go on a ride, I always ask what's wrong with this thing and how can it be improved? That's the definition of plusing. He put himself in his customer's shoes, his guest's shoes, and figured out how he could get it better. Next, go to where your fans are or your customers are. If you want to plus an experience, don't plus it from your office. Don't plus it from the boardroom. Don't plus it from a conference room. Don't plus it from your house. Plus it from where your customers experience it. You know, it's funny, Jared and I, we were talking and our merch director, Lizzie, and our team, we were talking about all our merchandise in the office. And Jared goes, let's go into the store. And we went into the store and we started asking questions. Well, hey, we're low on inventory. Why do we have the same sizes covering the space? And was like, oh, well, so we can fill it up. Well, that didn't make sense because we were there and we were seeing it because we realized that a fan would go over there and say, oh, they got a bunch of these hats, but all we had was extra smalls of that hat. And it's those little things that we had to be there. We had to see, oh, this umbrella rack is blocking a pathway. That's not good for a fan experience. Let's move this outside. Might as well have it outside in the merch stand outside anyways, because that's where the rain is happening. It's these little details, but we had to meet. We couldn't just talk about how to plus the experience until we got in that space. So if you want to make your parking lot better, walk out of your parking lot. If you want to make your waiting room better, have the meeting in the waiting room. It's go to where your fans are. Next, the third step on how do you teach this and build this into your culture, shorten the feedback loop. I think it's so key. You know, you have (laughs) so many companies have your annual review or your quarterly review. It should be nightly reviews or daily reviews in regards to your customer experience. Not only do we go over the pros and grows from our teammate who went undercover, but as I mentioned, every night after every game, Zach and I do laps around the field and we talk about all the areas that we can improve and how to get better. How do you shorten that feedback loop? If you see something, don't wait to the next day. Let's get it. Let's move forward. That's how you start innovating faster. And speed is everything these days, especially with customers' expectations. Next, bring on outsiders. This was tough for me. I, you know, I think we're all proud of what we do and might have too much pride, but we started bringing on some new consultants, especially in food and bev and operations and staffing and people, because we don't know that. We kind of just figured it out and still figuring it out. And so bring on some experts, invest in them. They will see your blind spots. And often we don't see those things like, oh, that makes sense. Why didn't we ever think of that? Because we didn't know any better. And so I think that's important if you want to figure out how to plus more, bring on some experts, people that know special areas better than you do. And then finally, I think go deep on one area. Pick one area. It is very daunting. And I think I've talked about from first impressions to last impressions to the show to concessions to merchandise. You can plus every aspect of your business. But go deep on the one area that you think might matter most right now. For us in the beginning, as I said, baseball was too boring. Fans weren't coming to the games. We had to plus the entertainment. If we wanted fans to even talk about us, we had to plus the entertainment. And so we went deep. And as you saw, like the pregame was something we went really deep on this year. The pregame, that an hour and a half show 
was so important because I can visualize and picture fans sitting, having their burger, waiting for the game to start. That's a time to entertain them. So we went deep on that and, and kept pushing the limits on what we could do. And so that is where I want to leave us right now. And I know serious podcasts from the crazy guy in the yellow tuxedo, but I think it's important. I think it matters. And you can plus every aspect of your customer's experience and you can plus every aspect of your employee's experience, your teammate's experience. But once you start thinking about plussing, you will never stop. And that's why you'll never become irrelevant. You will always stay relevant. But not only that, you'll be able to make a difference and make an impact because you are continuing to plus. And I think that's so important. So to finish out season four, I just want to encourage everybody to just start, to start doing, to start learning, to start plussing and start creating some more fans. So thank you guys for all the support. It's been a fun season. It's been crazy. I've done this podcast now for four years and it's been probably the best learning experience of my life. And so I hope you guys keep learning and we'll see you soon with season five. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe that challenging the status quo, creating fans first, and changing the game is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered in this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.